0: Enchain is the London-based research powerhouse behind Bitcoin SV. Its research is led by Craig Wright, its chief scientist, and the company's mission is, quote, to ignite global adoption and enterprise-level usage of Bitcoin. To that end, Enchain has set up a professional services unit to help business clients design and implement blockchain projects, with Osman Callis as its business development manager. I wanted to hear what she's up against in trying to get business people signed up to Bitcoin SV projects, especially if they know nothing about the subject before end chain calls. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller.
1: Blockchain is one of these areas where there's a huge amount of misconception, a uh, lack of uh, education, um, some sort of uh, people who are not necessarily disposed because of what they think they know. Uh, so a large part of what we do involves uh, a necessary degree of education. So we have to almost take people on a journey. So
0: yeah, take me on take me on the journey first of all okay. of what exactly end chain
1: is. Okay. So nChain, if I can give you a little bit of of history, that it was uh, set up in 2015, I'm sure you probably know lots of this, set up in 2015 to explore the uh, ideas of our chief scientist Craig Wright Um, and as such it was uh, initially uh, a research-led organization, research-led company. Um, There is still a research focus at its core but then since then Uh, Two additional teams have also formed there's the engineering team and then there's the consulting team where I work
0: What's the difference between research and engineering?
1: Okay, so the researchers work on the uh, developing the intellectual property portfolio Uh, It is one of the largest intellectual property portfolios in the world for blockchain and probably the largest for open blockchain Uh, the engineering team are responsible for at this point uh, developing the node software for for Bitcoin SV and uh, the additional components which would eventually allow enterprises to connect uh, to the uh, Bitcoin SV blockchain. And so how do you
0: sort of extract the business potential out of that whole Mm. mix?
1: Yes so, the commercialization of the intellectual property portfolio is a has been given significant focus by the executive team. Um, as I said, we have this significant uh, uh, portfolio, of the, this treasure trove, exactly really, of of, uh, of ideas, of uh, possible sort of future applications, things which are disruptive, which change the way in which we understand um, a number of things. We or areas of technology which we take for granted today. Um, so the, the sort of the, the focus on commercialising those is about taking them from sort of this conceptual uh, stage where they live in the minds and on the hard drives of our research team. And out into the world where they can be shared and can be exercised and then grouped together and combined in different ways to create solutions that didn't exist before.
0: I was talking at one of these uh, blockchain conferences to some people from big consultancies, oh. um, Boston Consultant mm. Group and PwC, mm. and they go around trying to sell blockchain solutions to business mm. and they made a big point about, we don't go to businesses and say, let us tell you about blockchain. Mm. They go and they say, well, what are the problems you're trying to solve? Yes. And approach it from that point of view. Is, mm. is that something that you can do as well?
1: Absolutely. And experience has shown us that it's actually of less value to talk about some of the sort of Uh, more granular features, shall we say, of the technology when you're in front of somebody who is responsible for making business decisions. So it's really about making sure that the message fits the audience. Um, So we're finding that, you know, it doesn't really matter what the technology is. It has to meet uh, whatever it is, the, the needs that they have. And the benefits have to be sort of evident. So if the drivers are cost reduction or reduction of risk or uh, increasing of competitive edge, then that's the sort of our starting point and you know, sort of what we'll we use as our, sort of, our main drivers.
0: Right. Um, is it hard to get in the door if you say uh, it's uh, Osman from Enchain here, we're uh, a blockchain solution provider?
1: well i 'm very proud of what we do, um, and I have absolutely no problem um, specifying our area of interest because it 's going to come out at some point anyway, so we might as well lead with what we with what we are and what we do. but there needs to be a level of sophistication and a, and a level of understanding of the audience and their perspective so it 's all part of my job uh, as a business development manager to a- li- actively listen and to be able to continuously uh, sort of feedback what they're saying and articulate their message in such a way that there's a solution which meets their their particular need. But is
0: there, have you come across a sort of, oh no, we don't like that blockchain thing, thank you very much. Is that an an issue out there for you?
1: Surprisingly little, actually. Um, Because everybody, uh, who we deal with has come across the technology in some way shape or form by the time we get to having the conversation they have some idea about the technology whether or not they necessarily feel that they want to engage with EndChain on that level is another matter but having the discussions around the, the technology itself where the conversation naturally sort of goes in that direction doesn't tend to be necessarily anything which closes doors because people who are having the conversation are there because they want to to have it, if you know what I mean. So for example if I was at a dinner party and I was sat next to somebody I was trying to convert them to, I don't know, uh, into some sort of client, um, then that might be difficult because they weren't prepared for the conversation, uh, we're just having dinner, but by the time um, the approaches have been made, uh, those who respond Generally, respond because they have an interest in blockchain. What we do find from time to time is that we get very little feedback at all from those who either just don't have the time to really engage or they have been approached by such a large number of different providers that uh, their ability to really process the relative merits of each and the offerings of each um, is so sort of uh, under pressure that they might just go for what they know. And so, therefore, that's where the brand and the reputation comes in to I, play.
0: I wonder whether there's a danger that mm-hmm. they think, oh, this is probably something I ought to know about. Um, do please come and talk to me. And mm-hmm. that you actually are just providing of free education, really.
1: <laughs> um, again, this is something that I think is quite unique to this space because we have to think about the bigger picture, play a quote-unquote long game, in that even if the conversations don't necessarily immediately result in some sort of oh, I don't know, development of, of some sort of client relationship then hopefully it's contributed to the sort of betterment of the ecosystem because you know we have to give sort of space and credit to people to be able to make decisions that don't necessarily result in them working uh, on a blockchain that we would necessarily recommend Um, Our uh, sort of recommendation is always going to be the Bitcoin SV blockchain, but if the ecosystem continues to grow, then we all at least have uh, continue to have you know sort of sort of a a foot in the game, if you like. I think that's the right right? phrase. But if we're too aggressive with trying to sort of capture market share, then at this early stage, then it's not really necessarily to the benefit of all.
0: Yeah, again going back to this consultants that I was talking to mm-hmm. on the question of private blockchains versus mm-hmm. public blockchains like BSV mm-hmm. they felt that for many companies mm-hmm. the private blockchains were sort of like baby steps right. that they had to persuade them of initially even mm-hmm. if actually they as consultants thought that in the long term mm-hmm. the full benefits of blockchain could only really come through the use of public blockchains. Yes. Is that something you've come across? Yes.
1: And this is something that we're starting to see more as as a sort of becoming an accepted narrative that, well, it's, it's sort of related to what you're saying, but in essence, many people don't even think of it. Uh, to that sort of sophisticated extent that you've just articulated on behalf of sort of the Boston Consulting, for example, people tend to take a slightly more binary approach where they say, well, if you want something for enterprise, if you're de- developing a solution for enterprise, you go down the private route, the permissioned route, and if you're for everything else, such as government or uh, any other sort of entity, then you go down the open route, the permissionless route. Um, and part of what we do is to help them to understand that it's actually not as straightforward as that and you mentioned the baby steps um, it's really I think up for debate whether or not those baby steps are even necessary our view is that you know, it's potentially exposing uh, businesses and enterprises to a, a degree of, of risk if you like knowing that they may be spending on projects which themselves will ultimately end up being sort of short term because in the long term we know we're all going to end up sort of connecting on the same on the same medium if you like or the same same blockchain Uh, there is this notion that well if it's permissioned it must automatically be more secure but this is where sort of the education element comes in because through the course of the debate you know, we introduce the notion of cryptography as a means of securing uh, the transactions uh, and the data, which is eventually ultimately stored on the blockchain, um, rather than having to have uh, a trust in a third party to uh, ensure that the data is of is to sound, that there's data integrity, etc. There's
0: only a crypto element in a public blockchain, right?
1: Uh, there is a cryptocurrency element in uh, Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum. I don't know all of the public blockchains out there. Um, so I can't speak for every single one of them. I can certainly speak for the ones that you know, sort of I'm, I'm familiar with, which are the ones I just mentioned. Um, so you're, so, yes. so you,
0: you say, well... You know, okay, you may not like the idea of cryptocurrency, Mm. but you don't have to be involved in that. And the crypto part of it is actually to your advantage.
1: Exactly, because what it does is allow for, as the solutions develop over time, it allows for a a greater level of automation, whereby if uh, there are payment elements in the sort of the value chain which uh, potentially could be uh, developed or a solution to sort of address the value chain could be developed, uh, then that could be very well handled by the blockchain. Whereas in a private blockchain that does not have a cryptocurrency, then the payment aspect would need to be sort of bolted on if the uh, client wanted to go down that road. But what this by sort of working with a proof-of-work open blockchain such as Bitcoin SV, then they get that as sort of uh, included in all of the, the sort of valuable features that they, that they stand to expose themselves to.
0: So we've been talking quite general terms. Let's, let's pick a sort of hypothetical example. Yes. What kind of business would you like to be developing what what would be your sort of ideal kind of client and what sort of project yes. would be your most sort of ready to mm. go?
1: Sure so we are currently uh, focusing on two industries if you like so we've got two industries and a sort of uh, I guess, a, an industrial function, if you like, and I'll explain what I mean, as a, as a third campaign. So we're currently focusing on financial services and iGaming, which complement each other quite nicely. Uh, the financial services is all about the mitigation of risk uh, in, in many ways. Um, the ecosystem is very much driven by sort of regulatory concerns, compliance, um, the cost saving element is part of it, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's the highest priority in every case. Uh, on the iGaming side of things, the cryptocurrency does come into sort of the picture as a means of, of payment as uh, consumers pay for games or earn, pay for in-app purchases or in-game purchases rather. Um, they might earn rewards for their gameplay in the form of, of some token, but also the uh, the sort of notion of instant payments, the ability to develop solutions on the blockchain, which allow for provably fair gaming, uh, which allow for uh, sort of the verification of the activities on the server uh, to show that whatever the percentage payout, for example, in the case of, of some sort of betting operation, actually has been paid. So if they say uh, there's a, I don't know, 96% win rate, they can prove that there's a 96% in rate win rate because of the data that they stored on the blockchain, for example.
0: When you're talking about gaming, are you talking mainly about video game type sort of things? Online
1: gaming, gambling? which has some gambling... So games of chance or sort of uh, platform games, sort of both... Uh, Elements or or both types of of, uh, activity are covered. And then as a third campaign, we're also looking at supply chain, which rather than being a vertical, because it doesn't just apply to one particular industry, it is something which cuts across a number of industries. So I'd see it more as a horizontal function, which applies to things like uh, fashion and retail, or food, um, or, of course, shipping, waste recycling, etc.,
0: just going back to the financial side of it, mm. then, what, what would be your sort of easiest pitch
1: mm. in that
0: area? What kind of part of the financial sector are you interested in most?
1: Well, we've been talking recently to uh, central banks. Um, they are uh, sort of a, a very uh, big part of the capital markets ecosystem. Uh, And we've been getting a lot of interest from central banks. Uh, We've been speaking to one in Europe. Um, There's a central bank in uh, West Africa that we have been speaking to who have expressed a significant interest in the possibility of creating their own digital currencies um, using a base currency, such as Bitcoin SV, uh, and then issuing their own currency using uh, a a protocol which... um, is available at the moment.
0: But could they Mm. use the Bitcoin SV blockchain Mm. and have a currency that was independent in value of Bitcoin SV?
1: Right. So in terms of the value, uh, it would be sort of the underlying value uh, of the Bitcoin SV token, which could be because there are a number of different approaches that one could take. Um, The value of the underlying wouldn't, it wouldn't derive its value from the underlying, it would derive its value from uh, other sort of, shall we say, drivers, very much as we have today. So if you look at the dollar, for example, it derives its value from, uh, if you think back to the petrodollar, um, it was essentially derived from petrol. Um, but most people don't really think about that. Uh, think of it in those terms. People think about the sort of the, semi- the, the supply and the demand element of uh, sort of the, the dollar as a reserve currency. It's a relatively complicated example, I suppose, because it's a reserve currency. But the fact is that you could use uh, Bitcoin SV as the underlying and then uh, issue your own currency on top, which actually uh, is should we say, connected to a fraction of uh, the sort of Bitcoin SV coin itself, because, of course, that can be broken down further into a number of many, many units because of the uh, the uh, existing but, monetary but the supply. national
0: currency, mm. would its fortunes be tied to the value of BSV?
1: No, no. Um, that would just be, and should we say, an enabling factor, which... So it's more of a mechanism. It's a mechanism, exactly, um, it's no more uh, tied to the value of BSV than the uh, the old printing presses uh, uh, drove the value of the actual sort of dollar notes that were printed. Right. Because
0: when mm. people talk about the great thing about having uh, mm. a, a currency like BSV mm. is that it would mean that central banks were not able to print more money to get themselves mm. out of a. An economic crisis?
1: Well, actually, we do. This is where it pays to be pragmatic because what we don't want to do is inhibit or unduly influence monetary policy, even um, implicitly. Uh, It would be for the central bankers to control the money supply exactly in the same way that they would today um, and for uh, sort of their policy to be. unencumbered by any other sort of sort of concerns
0: so can I can I ask you a little bit about your background how did you get into this whole field
1: so I was actually hired as a business analyst which uh, generally is a a role that is found in IT teams Uh, our job is to uh, set this sort of the the scope of the uh, solution that is going to be designed and developed um, to understand the requirements, to document those, and then to work with the developers and the and the solution architects and the testers to make sure that what is required is actually delivered. Um, was that was,
0: that, uh, was that was that something you worked
1: at? I ha- yes, I, I have many years' experience as a business analyst, so I was hired in that role. Um, but as I also had run a consultancy uh, doing business analysis in the field, as I used to call it, uh, then. It was clear that I'd had exposure to, number one, running my own business, generating clients, uh, looking after clients, uh, identifying opportunities and then pursuing those. But as that was very much sort of in demand within the company at the time, the decision was made that I should transition over into focusing on sort of the, that side of things, sort of the opportunity.
0: Do you or does Endchain have a vision as to... Where the sort of end point? Where are we going with all this? If it all works out the way Mm. we
1: want. Mm. So, Enchain's vision is to foster and promote global trade in such a way that it has been given that much-needed boost. The way in which we see global trade, I think, as I mentioned before, is very much through the lens of the sort of the old Victorian industrial age, which comes with its own constraints. Um, the Victorian age was about engineering. It was about um, hobbyism leading to very large sort of expansion. Um, There are some elements, like the sort of the whole hobbyist side of things, which isn't necessarily bad. I'm not saying anything about the Victorian sort of uh, industrial age was, was bad per se. It was what was required at the time for expansion, but I think with the sort of fostering of, of sort of, and the unfettering that uh, technology allows it allows us to think about doing things in different ways it allows us to uh, continue to uh, prioritize innovation over um, for example uh, rote learning and a rote way of, of, of doing things um, so I think that the, the sort of the ramifications of an enhanced global trade uh, through technology are many and varied. And I think it's exciting because we have yet to discover what all of those things will be and what it will bring.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Thanks very much to Osman Callis. If you want to find out more about Enchain, there's a contact form on their website, and I'm sure they'd be delighted to answer any questions. You can also read about Enchain and All Matters Bitcoin SV on our website, coingeek.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, goodbye.